Hello, and welcome to the Life Center Podcast. We're a church in Tacoma, Washington that exists to inspire our community to love and follow Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at all of our campuses, you can download the Life Center app, interact with us on social media, or visit lifecenter.com. Let's jump into this week's message. Thanks for listening. All right, well, happy Sunday. Thanks for being with us today at Life Center. For those who are watching from home or to those who are with us in the building, we are glad that you're here. For those who I haven't met, my name is Tyler and I'm part of the team. And today we're going to continue on in our series that we've entitled Uncharted. We've been spending a number of weeks looking at what it is to follow the voice and the direction of God in life's off-the-map moments. How many of us can agree that 2020 has had some off-the-map moments? Uh, so we're going we're gonna to get to that in a moment. Before I do, can I just take a couple of moments and, and encourage you as your pastor? Um, the, the weeks in front of us are incredibly important as a nation, and I want to encourage you to vote. I want to encourage you to engage in the opportunity that God has given you. And yet the, the question is, how do we go about doing that? As a follower of Jesus, now I'm talking to those of us who have made the decision to follow Jesus, we have a mandate that we should vote prayerfully. So pray, look through the filter of scripture, and engage, okay? And on that note, let me remind all of us who are followers of Jesus that order is important. Here's what I mean. Let me, let me be clear about the order that our worldview is shaped by. We are first and foremost Christians. Before anything else. And then we are Americans. And somewhere down the list, we then have a political party or a platform that we agree with. Now, the reason why this is important is because it is so easy to create division even within a group of believers. But what unites us as followers of Jesus is more than what divides us. And this is important, okay? Because in the midst of this season, there's, there's so much division, and we're going to pray over uh, the election. We're going to pray over our leaders, just like we do often. We're, we're going to trust that God is the one who's leading us, but we have to keep that order important. Why? Because it would be sad to see the body of Christ divided when Jesus has come to unify us. And so, again, some of you guys are like, wow, Tyler, I was not expecting you to talk about this. I think for us, though, this is a pastoral moment, for us to remember we are first and foremost followers of Jesus, we're Christians, and then we belong to a nation called America, and then somewhere after that, then we have a political preference, a political party that we're going to prayerfully engage in. If you still love Jesus and still love me, say amen. Amen. All of you didn't say amen. That's okay. I, I love you. Um, I want to encourage you as we've journeyed through this series entitled Uncharted, uh, there is a 21-day devotional that we've been engaged in. It's available in your app. It's not too late to jump in. We're looking at, again, different key stories of what it looks like to follow the voice in the direction of Jesus. 
in our lives. Today, I've entitled this message, The Price Tag of Yes. Come on, can you say yes? Right there at home, let me hear you. Say yes. All right, I believe that you said it. Um, Before we go any further, can we just, can we all agree on one important thing? That the greatest game show ever created was The Price is Right. Can we just, can we all agree on that? If you believe that, come on, give give just a little bit of applause. In fact, to help me out, can can we bring that, uh, bring that out here? Come on, give it up for my friends as they bring this out. Um, You know, one of the things that I love about The Price is Right, it reminded me of those days that I was able to stay home from school and have a sick day, okay? Um, And this was like the only thing on TV back in that day. I, I feel sorry for my children because now with online schooling, they will never get to experience a sick day like I experienced it. But one of the things that I, I was able to enjoy was the game, The Price is Right. And you know, there was a variety of different games. And today I need your help because I wanna see if our brains are working. We're talking about the price tag of yes. There was a game on The Price is Right called More or Less. Now on the table behind me, you'll, you'll notice that there's three different uh, prizes. There is a beautiful lamp. There is a wonderful blender. And then, of course, back by popular demand, Baby Yoda. Okay. Um, now, I, I need your help. We're going to play this game together really quickly. The lamp. Now, you have to determine, is the price more or less? Let me hear you. Let me hear you at home. Is, is the price of the lamp more than $35 or less? Okay, I'm, I'm hearing more mores than I'm hearing more lesses. So uh, the actual retail price, okay, it's, it's, no, it's more. So they were actually correct. There we go. It's, it's the right thing. So instead of $35, it's $50. Okay, let's move on. Is the price of this blender more or less than $59? Less, okay. I, I hear a lot of lesses. All right, you're accurate. Yeah, way to go. Give yourself a round of applause. Some of you guys are trying to figure out what on earth is going on around here. What about this last one? Baby Yoda. All right, $49. How many say more? I hear a lot of mores. The answer is less. That's right, Baby Yoda is on sale for $19.99. Now, Here's the dynamic. It's easy to, to look at the price tag of something when it's a game show and, and just say, you know what, it's, it's more, it's less. How I many know it's one thing when it's a game show, it's another thing when it's your life. You see, it's easy to stand at a distance. There's, there's not necessarily a lot of risk when you're just throwing out, hey, you know what, I, I think it should be more than that, I think it should be less than that. But when the price tag shows up in our lives, and it has impact on our future, on our destiny. How many know there's a lot more pressure sometimes to say yes? You see, I, I think it's important as we consider the journey of these last number of weeks. We talked two weeks ago about Abraham and how Abraham, 
He heard the voice of God, and, and he had to make a courageous step of faith and not just hearing the voice of God, but, but following the voice of God. Last week, we talked about Moses and how God spoke to him from that burning bush, and yet the dynamic that Moses had to come to grips with is, will he eliminate the excuses to follow Jesus? Today, we're going to look at a story in the Old Testament called Ruth. Ruth is a young woman from a foreign land called Moab. And yet, the dynamics in Ruth's life, she ends up hearing the voice of God. Catch this, the narrator doesn't talk much about God, but God ends up speaking direction to this young woman named Ruth through her circumstances. If you remember, in our first week in this discussion, we talked about the, the fact that God wants to speak to us. And I believe that with all my heart. Listen, for those who are watching at home, I believe that God wants to speak to you. We talked about what speak looks like. S stood for scripture, that God will always confirm his voice through scripture. If God ever speaks to us and it's out of alignment with scripture, we know that it's not the voice of God. God speaks through scripture. Not only that, we talked about how he will speak to us through promptings. He will speak to us through our experiences. That's what we're going to get to with this young lady named Ruth. He'll speak to us through voices of authority. He'll speak to us through knowledge of his will that he's already given us. That's how God speaks. But at the end of the day, it's got to be filtered through scripture. And listen, today, I think it's important for us to recognize it's, it's one thing to say yes to the gift of salvation. But are we willing to say yes to the gift of direction? See, many, many of us, we, we're thankful for the, the grace and the gift of salvation. Many, many of us, we've said yes to that, but, but how many times, even after we've re received that gift, we have a hard time of being willing to say yes to the gift of God's direction. In other words, we look at that direction and, and we feel like the price is high. We feel like that's a little bit expensive. You see, to trust God's direction, hear this, to trust God's direction in the uncharted moments of life, there will be a price tag. To trust God when, when the, the off-the-map moments show up, there's going to be a price tag. Let's look together to the book of Ruth. Ruth is an incredible story. In fact, it takes place at a parallel time to the book of Judges. And that's important because to put the circumstances in context, you got to understand what's going on in the midst of God's people, known as the people of Israel. There's been high points, there's been low points. And right now, in the midst of Israel's history, there's, there's division, there's fracture, there's pain. They've, they've experienced loss through all of these neighboring nations invading them. And this story happens that there was a man named Elimelech, and he and his wife, whose name was Naomi, they and their two sons, they moved to a, a distant foreign land called Moab. And there they take up residence, and these two sons of Elimelech, they marry 
these women from Moab. One's name was Orpha, the other's was Ruth. And what's interesting is this story opens, we realize that circumstances go from bad to worse. Elimelech dies. Elimelech's two sons die. So quite literally, this story opens with not one, but three funerals. Naomi is at a loss. She's lost her husband. She's lost her two sons. Now she has these two daughters-in-law. And what does she do? She, she encourages them to return to their people, to return to their homeland. Why? Because Naomi makes the decision, I'm going to go back to Israel. I'm going to go back to my people in Bethlehem. Orpha, one of her daughters-in-law, decides, okay, that's what I'll do. But, but Ruth makes the decision to journey with Naomi. Now again, God is speaking to Ruth through her experiences. God is inviting her to trust his direction. Even though we don't necessarily see his voice showing up in an audible way, we see his guiding direction to this young girl. And, and will she say yes or will she do what's easy? Look with me to Ruth chapter one. I want to start in verse eight. It says this, but on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back to your mother's homes and may the Lord reward you for the kindness to your husbands and to me. Jump down to verse 15. Look, Naomi said to Ruth, your, your sister-in-law, Orpha, has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. Orpha's already gone back. Ruth, go ahead. You, you have no obligation. You have no need to say yes. The price tag of joining me is going to be expensive. But look at this declaration of faith from this young woman. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will I will live. Your people will be my people. Now listen to this. And your God will be my God. Naomi had just encouraged her, no, just, just return to what's familiar. Go, go back to what you think you should do. But Ruth has seen something. Ruth has experienced something by being a part of this family that drew her to this place to recognize, no, 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 I'm not just going to journey with you. I'm actually going to come under the authority of the God that you serve. God's directing this young woman. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. She said nothing more. You look at this, and it's important for us to recognize this story happens in the time of both moral and political chaos amongst the people of Israel. Things tend to go from, from bad to worse. There's famine, there's, there's crisis, and yet 
here's what we realize. Sometimes in the darkest, most bleak looking moments, that's when God has an opportunity to show up in unexpected ways. And today, you, you might be wrestling because you feel like, man, as I look out at the world around me, things look like they're going from bad to worse. But can I remind you, our king is still seated on the throne, and he is not done, and he's looking for some people who are willing to say yes to his direction. To say yes, even though there's a price tag attached to that yes. You see, a story that starts out with tragedy, three funerals, will all of a sudden become a story that leads us to triumph. Tragedy to triumph. That's what God is in the business of doing. You see, this story, it, it starts with death, but it ends with the birth of a son. We'll get there in a moment. God knows, hear this, God knows how to redeem things. God knows how to redeem things. You may look at your life and say, Tyler, all, all I can experience, I feel a lot like Naomi. What's interesting, a little bit later on in chapter one, Naomi returns to her homeland called Bethlehem, and, and they ask, is this Naomi? Is this our relative? And she says this, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. She changes her name. Naomi means pleasantness. Mara means bitterness. You ever met somebody, and even though they didn't change their name, they applied that label. <laughs> Naomi's saying, listen, don't, don't call me pleasantness because there's nothing pleasant about what I'm journeying through. Call me bitterness. You look at all of these dynamics and yet because of the faith of this young girl, this outsider, she wasn't even a part of the Israelite people. She, she was a Moabite. And yet God in his grace takes what should have been an outsider and grafts this girl in to his divine plan and purpose all because she was willing to say yes to the price tag. Here's a few thoughts from Ruth for us today. Number one is this. When the cost of a yes to God's direction feels high, remember that the reward is always higher. When, when the cost of, of saying yes to God's direction, when, when that challenge, when you look at all of the what ifs, and, and God, if I say yes, I don't know how this is gonna work out. When that moment, when that price tag feels high, remember, the reward of following is always higher. It's always higher. If you go back to, to chapter one, I read this verse just a moment ago, but in chapter one, verse 16, Ruth, she makes this statement, listen, where, where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. It's a big price. See, she's leaving what's familiar. She's leaving her family. She's leaving what, what has brought her comfort, and she's taking this step of faith. There's, there's risk involved. There's risk involved. It's been said that faith is not believing in spite of evidence. Faith is obeying in spite of consequence. So faith isn't just, well, I believe even though I can't see. Yes, that's part of faith. But true biblical faith is being willing to obey no matter what the consequence is. 
This is what Ruth does. I'm going to leave what's familiar and I'm going to come alongside of my mother-in-law. She had no obligation. Why? Her husband is dead. Her father-in-law is dead. The family is broken. Naomi's going to return to her own homeland and live out her days as a widow that she's named herself now bitterness. How many of you want to sign up to walk alongside of bitterness? And yet, because of this courageous step of faith, the storyline begins to change. You see, this young girl, she takes this step. After tragedy, in the midst of pain, with with no guarantee, she makes a bold move of faith. She she gives a yes. See, what was the cost for her? She had had to leave her homeland. She had to leave her family, that that security, even the gods that she grew up with. Little did she know, though, the reward that was waiting for her on the other side of her yes. Hebrews 11, verse 6, reminds us that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God knows how to reward those of us who are willing to not just hear his voice, but to say yes to his direction. Don't allow the size of the risk to keep you from the size of the reward. Where, where God is maybe directing your steps, you, you may look at it and go, man, it just there's too much risk involved. Can I tell you? On the other side of the risk, friends, there is a reward that's worth it. It's a reward that's worth it. Here's a second thought from Ruth. Small yeses have big implications. Small yeses have have big implications. Look to Ruth chapter two, starting in verse two. It says this. One day Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields and pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. And Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. See, Ruth recognized we we are running out of food. Somebody's got to do something about this. And so what does Ruth do? Ruth makes not a huge yes, it's a small yes. And what's this small yes? I'm going to go out into the field, and after people are harvesting the grain, I'm going to go behind them and pick up the leftovers, just so that we don't starve. Now, that that doesn't seem like something very significant, does it? But here's what's amazing. Because of this small yes, that that I'm going to go out and I'm going to begin to gather some stuff together. I'm going to go after the the gleanings. And and here's what happens. She ends up meeting the owner of the field whose name is Boaz. Who's Boaz? Well, in ancient Israel, there was a process set up in the family structure that they had what was called a kinsman redeemer. In other words, if there was ever loss in your family, a loss of a husband, a close relative could step in as the kinsman redeemer and purchase the property and create security for the family line. And because of Ruth's small yes, she ends up meeting a man named Boaz. And Boaz steps in to redeem Ruth. It's a foreshadowing of the redemption that Jesus brings to us. 
See, Jesus is our true kinsman redeemer. He steps in and, and brings us into his family. He pays the price that we would understand what it is to be redeemed. But a small yes, friends, it, it has big implications. Just because the yes is small doesn't mean the impact will be. You see, her decision to go into the field and to pick up the grain, you want to know what that leads to? It, it leads to her and Boaz having a son. And that son has a son. And that son has a son. And guess what that third son name is? His name is David, king of Israel. You see, that, that small yes actually leads to one of the greatest kings in Israel's history. His name is King David. And not only that, God promised David that the, the Messiah, the messianic line would be through his family. So because of this faith of this outsider, this Moabite named Ruth, because of her small yes to step into a field, it quite literally leads not only to King David, but to the arrival of our king named Jesus. You can't tell me that your small yes doesn't make a difference. It has massive implications. See, every time we serve a friend, every time we see somebody who, who maybe is, is different, but we choose to see them as a neighbor, somebody else created in the image of God, Every time we walk in generosity, even while we have our own needs, every time we use the gifts that God has given us to make a difference, every time we pray for someone, every time we develop a discipline of reading and memorizing scripture, how about this one? Every time we smile more. Could you imagine what could happen if followers of Jesus just smiled more? There could be revival. Go ahead, think about that. I'll keep going. Every time we, we encourage, in other words, we, we put courage back in someone. Every time we're a part of this community as followers of Jesus, and we're not, we're not a part of biblical community, we don't attend church just for what we can give, but we show up because we have this perspective that I have something to give. Something to give. Your small yes it makes a difference. Your small yes, it, it matters. And my question for you is, what is the small yes that Jesus is calling you to? Because you might look at it and say, well, it's, it's insignificant. It's not really important. Listen, that day that Ruth walked into that field might have felt insignificant, but it changed the trajectory of my life because it led to the arrival of Jesus. That small yes. When I was in junior high and high school, I have a memory that's forever etched in my heart and my mind, and I believe that it's a big part of why I'm here today. See, every day that I would get ready for school, I'd, I'd walk upstairs from my room downstairs into our kitchen, and I'd get something for breakfast, but, but I couldn't get into the kitchen without walking by the living room. And every single day that I can remember in my youth years, I would walk by a living room and I would see a father on his knees praying. 
my dad would be on his knees praying, praying for his family, praying for his children, praying for this church, praying for this city. And no doubt that for him, that, that probably felt like a small yes. I'm just going to take some time in the morning before I head off to work and, and I'm going to pray. But can I tell you, I believe with all my heart that small yes is still creating ripple effects. And what is the small yes that Jesus is asking you to do? What is the small yes that he's calling you to take a step of faith? And when you look at it, you go, I don't, I don't know that it really matters. Friends, it matters. It matters. Here's the third thing that we learned from Ruth. You might not see the full fruit of your yes. You might never actually get the gift of seeing with your own eyes the, the full fruit. Do I believe you're going to see some of the fruit? Absolutely. But this is so important. Why? Because many of us, we've grown up in a Western worldview. We've grown up with a Western mindset, which means many of us, it's, it's just the way we've been wired, the way that we've grown up. We don't think about life beyond our life. So we, we often make decisions based upon how will this impact me, but, but the truth is we might not see the full fruit of our yes. In other words, maybe it's your grandchild, maybe it's your great-grandchild who's going to experience the benefit of your yes. And if that's the case, are, are we still willing, even if we never see the full fruit of it ourselves? That's what Hebrews chapter 11 is all about, by the way. People who were willing to walk by faith even though they never fully beheld the full scope of what was promised. You see, look at Ruth chapter 4, verse 17. I love this. The, the neighbor women said, now at last Naomi has a son. Remember, Naomi, she, she lost her husband. She lost her two sons. But God in his grace connected Ruth to Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, and they had a child together. And all of a sudden, what started out as a story with three funerals ends up with the arrival of a son. Notice, by the way, what the neighbors call her. They're not calling her Mara anymore, are they? See, this, this woman who said, no, call me Mara, call me bitterness, they are calling her by her name, pleasantness. God has brought everything full circle. It says, now alas, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed, and he became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. See, Ruth, as a young girl, did not necessarily understand the full impact of her yes. Even as she gives birth to a son and God has redeemed all of the pain, all of the brokenness, does she understand the full fruit of her yes? Not yet. Not yet. But this is the beautiful thing, friends. When, when we say yes, there is a ripple effect. There is a ripple effect. We will see some of the fruit, but we might not see all of it. Are we still willing? Are we still willing? Every year in our backyard, we, we plant a garden. And 
don't, don't be too amazed. It's just like a planter box, okay? So it's, it's, it's not like acres. We, we plant a, a small garden. In most years, we, we will go to a local nursery and we'll get the little plant starts that have already started and put them down in the dirt and it, and it takes off. This last year, it's been a unique year. We decided to do something different. We decided to start the garden completely by seeds. So my wife, Amber, she went out and purchased some seeds and we got little things of dirt and put them up in the window. And, and it was interesting, that dynamic of, of planting a seed because here's what happens when you plant a seed. There's no guarantee. It takes faith. That, that's what a yes looks like. When, when God gives us direction, whether it's through circumstances, whether he speaks to us through scripture, it, when we say yes, it's it's planting a seed. It's interesting, we planted these seeds, we put them in a, in a window at our house, and throughout the spring, they began to sprout up. It was a great opportunity to teach our kids, listen, this is, this is how faith works. You've got to be willing to, to actually put it in the ground, and cover it up, and there's, you don't know necessarily what's going to grow. And, and as we planted those seeds, we didn't know what the full fruit of that decision would look like. We just had to trust, to trust. It's interesting, one of the seeds that we planted, this, the package said broccoli. And I still don't know what the plant was that grew up, but ladies and gentlemen, it was not broccoli. It was like this tall, it was like green and yellow. I, I, I have no idea. I think it was a weed. But anyways, it was, it was not broccoli. But the amazing thing happened as those sprouts began to pop up and we put them in the garden, all of a sudden fruit began to grow up and it became a conversation with our children saying, look, what started out as just a simple seed, what started out as a decision to put something in the ground, look at the fruit now. And I wonder if, if God could have pulled Ruth aside and said, listen, I know you can't see it yet, but just wait. Someday there's going to be somebody in Tacoma and they're going to hear about this person named Jesus. And because of your obedience, Ruth, lives are going to be transformed. Millions and millions and millions of people are going to know what it is to have their debt paid. And God entrusted a young girl to say yes to the price tag of that decision. Friends, what is the yes that God is calling you to? Would you take a moment and grab your phone, grab that tablet. For those who are watching online, the team's gonna put a link up. We, we take time at the conclusion every week of our message and we talk about next steps. And today I wanna to share three next steps. And Again, I say this each week, whether you've been serving Jesus for three days or three decades, we all have a next step. Why? Because when we preach from scripture, it's not about just adding more information to your mind. The goal of preaching is that God in his grace would transform us, but in order to walk out transformation, we got to do something with what we're hearing. And so today, here's three next steps. I'd love for you to choose either one Maybe there's two, maybe, maybe there's three of these that, that are going to align with you. But again, whether you're watching online, whether you're in the room, I'd love for you to join me with this. It takes five seconds. It's right there in your Life Center app. Step one is this. 
Maybe you're at the place where you need to say yes to Jesus today. I mentioned a moment ago, Boaz was the kinsman redeemer and how that's a foreshadowing of the redemptive work that Jesus has done for us. Today, I wanna encourage you that Jesus can redeem every area of your life. His grace is enough. Maybe you want a fresh start with God. Maybe you wanna know that your debt is paid and I have good news, Jesus came to deal with our shame, with our sin, with our separation. You can become new today by trusting in him. The second next step is this, take action this week on the small yes. A moment ago I asked you, what, what's, the, what's the small yes that Jesus is encouraging you to engage in? And, and this week, maybe that's your next step. Maybe there's been something that you've been putting off saying, well, it's not really that big of a deal, but small yeses have big implications. What's the small yes that you're gonna put into play? Do it this week. It's the third next step. Take a courageous step to come alongside of someone else this week. You see, Ruth, her courageous step was to come alongside of Naomi. And we see the ripple effect of that. And more than just living a faith that's, that's me-centric, who is that person that needs you to show up with a courageous step to come alongside of them? Put your faith into action this week. Well, what, what's... What's your next step? Would you join me in a word of prayer right now? Jesus, thank you that you do all things well. Jesus, thank you for your willingness to say yes, to take our place, to take our punishment, to become our sacrifice. Thank you for how your yes provided the pathway for redemption. And Lord, I pray for those of us who we, we sense that there's a, there's a small yes that's needed. God, would you give us the faith and the courage to say yes this week? Lord, I pray that you'd open up our eyes to see those who we need to take a courageous step to come, come alongside of. And today, listen, if it's your desire to say yes to Jesus, would you repeat this prayer after me? Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new creation. And help me to follow you every day of my life. And it's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.